Hello! It is episode 120 of the Guardian Project Podcast. I'm Andy, and I'm convinced that Reckless Stormseeker was loosely based on the movie Twister. Oh, that's pretty good. Except the werewolf part came later. It was mostly oh my goodness. Reckless Stormseeker was just trying to get Dorothy up into the tornado. We're saying that they're like the main, like, oh, okay, okay. Wait, Dorothy getting up into the tornado. Dorothy is is the stuff that collects the data in the tornado. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that was named Dorothy. I haven't it was seen. named Dorothy. Twister, Twister, you haven't seen Twister since, since like the weekend it came out? 1995, 6, <laughs> whatever know. it is. You, uh, it's been a long time since I've seen Twister, but Stormseeker, I mean, mm-hmm. that's what they're doing. They're driving at the tornado. Yeah. It's a good movie. It's, I mean, honestly, it is a pretty Tornadoes good Tornadoes are pretty scary. And when they were like hanging out in the ditch, like as that tornado was passing mm-hmm. under that little brick, mm-hmm. that'd be kind of cool to that see was- a tornado. We get some of them here in Michigan, but not really by us, except there was that one a many years ago yeah. that really, that got by our area, actually, kinda. not far from where you live now. Right. Yeah. There were like massive like trees. That looked like they were like hundreds of years old. They were oh, just ripped just out of the ground. Right up, the uprooted. Uprooted. Yeah. But um, yeah, Twister's well, a good movie. Yeah. Well, I'm your other host, Mike. And a lot of people were asking just what went wrong with Ludovic's experiment where he had Olog become the outcome. Sadly, after reading his research notes, it seems he just got a little flipped around. Ah, two face card. Hey. That was good. Please listen carefully. That was good. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things Magic the Gathering. But mostly Commander. So a couple of announcements. The first one here being that we are going to have our first large Magic event coming up November 19th through the 21st in Las Vegas, hosted by Channel Fireball. There is a uh, main event for both Limited and for Modern, and they will have a Command Zone as well. Um, The Command Zone... Uh, you will also get a Path of Ancestry playmat with new art and a promo Path of Ancestry. But I think what was more interesting here, and the last time we talked about this, this was a really long time ago, it was before the pandemic started, uh, or as it started, was mm. the rating scale mm. for Commander decks because the Magic Fest Detroit that was supposed to happen that got canceled, they had a scale. And I don't remember who created it, but on this, there is a How to Rate Your Commander Deck brought to you by the Command Zone podcast. And it is not, I do not believe it is identical to what we had talked about before. And this is more in line with what we have said for a while now, which is where the three to four is considered casual. We're trying to win with limited resources, for an example, the recent pre-cons. Mm-hmm. So it's putting them below the five, because I remember last time, I believe pre-cons was listed as a five, and this is putting them at a potential three now. But it is saying recent pre-cons. Correct. So, so you're, you're uh, the... The original ones from 2011 are probably listed in the one and two now, Agreed. Agreed. but the threes and fours now, but this is more in line with what I thought because I, I do argue myself that I have a Noyan Dar deck. It doesn't have a single infinite and seven and eight listed here as optimized is lots of infinite game ending combos, many powerful cards, but some of the cards are not from the highest tier of commander gameplay. I argue all the time that I think my Noyandar is a six and people just have different expectations of what they, everybody thinks their deck's a seven. It's not. It's true. Everyone it's thinks not. it's a seven. I, I, seven's real good. I think the Rionia is in the seven, eight here and, and that's a pretty good deck. Yeah. Yeah, I would, and and the thing holding it back is maybe the the reason you call it a seven and not an eight maybe is because it's only mono red, and you could have it could be better if it's if it's you know got more colors. Associated maybe with it or I mean fast mana make you know For contributes sure. to this, so the sooner you can get your things out, and then nine to ten is competitive, but five to six is considered focused, powerful card interactions, few to no infinite game ending combos. There are a few 
game ending infinite combos in five mm-hmm. at, at five people. Yeah. Yeah. Five to six. A few, it, a few of them. Yeah. I mean, a few that's a few is three. A couple is two. So mm-hmm. three game ending infinite combos. People are saying is a five. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's a little difficult to put those together or something. Maybe they're four card pieces or five card infinite compost. Yeah. Not just two. Not just two. One of them being your commander or something like that. Correct. Yeah. But I think it's important to note that this is what is being used as a skill, at least for this event, mm-hmm. because this significantly ups the power or I guess lowers it down. No, I say it ups the power because each of these categories, more than half the categories now include a few infinite combos. Mm-hmm. We're now ha- half the field, five, six, seven, eight, nine, no, more than half. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think the phrase games gotta end is being you know thrown throughout yeah. all, of, all of Commander now. So, I mean, infinite combos are not a feel bad thing. Infinite combos mean game two. Or game three or game four. Well, yeah, I guess Got to get a bunch in. So this is actually over my birthday weekend. And I've never been to Vegas. I would love to go to this. It's just really short notice. It is. It's like a month and a half. I mean, it's more than a month and a half out now. But in two weeks, it won't be. Right. And, then, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's still there's still a pandemic protocol and stuff that you have to worry about and think about and all that kind of stuff, too. So, yeah, the nice thing here is that they are requiring uh, face masks. They are requiring either proof of vaccination or a negative uh, COVID test within the last 48 hours upon entry, it says. Mm-hmm. So if you leave and re-enter, I don't know how that works. There's a lot of discussion on this right now, because if you come in on Friday it has to be within 48 hours of the entering on Friday. But then if you enter on Sunday, that means you have to get another test from at least Friday. Yep. Or are they counting that test from the previous Thursday? They shouldn't. No, they should not. Yeah. So, so we'll see how we'll see how that goes. Uh, we would just bring our vaccination cards. Yeah, we would. I don't have to worry about that. No. No, but uh, we also played on a stream. You and I had not played on a stream. It's been a little while, right, since we had last played on a stream together. Uh, I feel like we couple weeks. Yeah. 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 I mean, I feel like I feel like the last one we did was like there was a shorter amount of time. But then the time before that <laughs> was, one really, was really long. It was really long. We played with CNC Power Hours, we played with uh, Chris and Clay. And I played my cigar deck nicely updated with all of my commander uh, or my Innistrad Midnight Hunt cards. Did yeah. I play any of them? Um, I didn't. I added Katilda, which makes all my humans into mana dorks mm-hmm. yep didn't have that one intrepid adversary the white one that is the lord yep didn't have that one and i added i added a third one. Oh, the new cigar didn't play it nope didn't see it i didn't get any of my three but i did get a win you did get a win i did not add any new cards to my deck at all my arden and kodama deck and although i didn't win i did gain i believe over 100 life in that deck or in that game so that's a win in my book. It's you, a win. It's a, well, it's not literally a win in my book because I'm tracking that. It was literally a win in my book correct. and in your book. In, in my spirits. book, it's a win for you. It was, yeah, a, correct. <laughs> it was a win in both our it's books. It's a win in both of our books. <laughs> I got you with commander damage, which doesn't happen often with Sigarda. No, no, not often. But uh, yeah, that was the way. I mean, I didn't have much on the ground. It was just, yeah, I think it was three life. hits, right? Because I turned Sigarda into a 7-7 seven, seven, three times or, mm-hmm. or bigger mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with a uh, mirror entity. Mm, I feel like I had five damage on that before, but Maybe it was three hits after that. I mean, yeah. it was still three hits. It was one of those games where there wasn't a single board wipe. Someone was short on mana. Chris was short on mana. Mm-hmm. And then I got to play Masako the Humorless, which gave all of my humans that pseudo vigilance. So it says tapped creatures you control can block as though they were untapped. So I mean, it gives them vigilance. Yep. 
kind of. And uh, air quotes. I'm using air quotes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it was pretty nice. Coyle gave me the monarch in the beginning That's because right. uh, he couldn't, I didn't couldn't have, get it back. I don't have a lot of creatures <laughs> in that deck to defend the monarch. Uh, I just I just put it out there to try to get that. It's the uh, the green enchantment from Commander Legends that introduces the, the court monarch. of bounty. Yeah, which which is supposed to allow me to play more lands per turn, which I wasn't able to do. Or if I was the monarch, just more permanents, which I also was not able to do. But that's okay. But we appreciated it. We appreciate the monarch it. needs to be in every game, anyways. <laughs> exactly. Before we continue, we want to thank all of you listening, and especially to our patrons. Um, we thank you so much for all of your support. If you would like to support us, you can do patreon.com slash guardian project pod. And if you're looking for another way to support the podcast, whatever platform you are enjoying the podcast on now, if you could subscribe, rate, review, and leave comments, we would really, really appreciate it. You can also find us online at theguardianprojectpodcast.com. You can find our social media on Twitter at Guardian Pod, our gameplay videos on YouTube at youtube.com slash theguardianproject. And if you want to email us, you can email us at guardianprojectpod at gmail.com. We've got a fun topic this week. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Um, so three weeks ago, I think it was three weeks ago, we were talking about the top five most expensive deck themes that you could build around. Um, so we are revisiting this topic to talk about the five most affordable deck themes uh, that you can build around. So um, this one... A lot of people liked our episode about the most expensive ones. I think they're going to like this one even more about the most affordable. Everyone's looking to buy new decks and, and cheap cards and have good stuff with cheap stuff. So let's get into it. This time we're going to get out our change purses mm. and not our wallets because you need far less bills. There's almost zero. I mean... Not almost zero bells, but I mean, I guess you can find, you probably have a lot of these cards. I just want you are, to walk into your LGS with a sack of full of quarters to buy a, a, a brand new commander deck. An entire commander deck with just quarters. You, you won't see Ashling the Pilgrim in 99 Mountains on this five most affordable themes here, but you, you could do that. You, you could, you could. Uh, starting out with the fifth most affordable deck theme is plus one plus one counters yeah so this one you know tons of support right plus one plus one counters you can see that in so many different colors um anywhere from your proliferate commanders like atraxa uh to commanders that are really built around specifically plus one plus one counters like azuri claw of progress um commanders built around uh, doubling counters like voral of the hall i mean simic is obviously what people are going to be thinking about when it comes to plus one plus one counters um but Again, it's supported in all five colors. And it, and it looks like here, the, the the high range here looks like a potential Ashai Rehan build around just shy of 500 and then coming in around the most affordable based on the, the, the just the average build is Voral of the Hulkclade, just over 160. Yeah, the, um, there's actually a few others like uh, Verizal, the split current. Although, oh, yes. Although, this one actually is far less. Yeah, uh, for 116.81. But uh, it, it's hard to tell without going into the Verizal average decks themselves. I mean, obviously, this is more built around the kicker theme than it is around the plus one plus one theme. Um, you just get plus one plus one counters by doing the kicker and kicker spells, unless you're building around the kicker spells, are typically not built around. They are cheaper cards. So it makes sense that that uh, that sort of theme, the Verizal, the split current, um, would actually be one of the cheaper ones out there. 
Um, but like, I guess some of the newer ones are, are seeing um, some increase. I expected something like Vorinclex Monster Raider to be more expensive. But the fact that it's mono green is keeping the mana base down a little bit. Um, but, you know, plus one plus one counters is also something that's been around for forever. So the support is from every single set going back. We don't have to um, pick and choose the best of the best cards when building our plus one plus one counters because there's so much redundancy. And a lot of them are just just fun cards, too. Like you don't even have to play like the most expensive cards for plus one plus one counters. There certainly are some some very expensive cards in plus one plus one counters decks. Um, but looking at some of the high synergy cards, you've got cards like Corpse Jack Menace, Fathom Mage, Simic Ascendancy, Winding Constrictor, Master Biomancer, um, even venturing into white. You've got Cather's Crusade and in Gruel, even Rhythm of the Wild, putting plus one plus one counters on creatures and giving them haste. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, Cather's Crusade is an enchantment that we see here. And, and oftentimes in my head, I do associate plus one plus one counter strategies with token strategies. I do too. And I think that's because tokens are usually low to the ground one ones. And what, what other way to grow your tokens than put plus one plus one counters on them if they're not built around a, a particular creature type where you could be running lords to pump them. So you're using plus one plus one counters instead. So it is easy to see things like Felidar Retreat on here for some, some easy plus one plus one counter synergy. Um, um, and token synergy. Uh, so um, you're going to see a lot of those cards here, but maybe not the token synergy cards, which we know from our last episode are particularly expensive, like in right. Procession and, and uh, Doubling, Doubling Season, season. Parallel Lives. Um, I actually like that <clears throat> one of the top cards that fits in every plus one plus one counter deck is actually from a set that came out within the last two years here at the Ozolith, um, which is one of the more expensive cards actually in this being around $15. It's a colorless card that says at the beginning of combat on your turn, if the Ozolith has counters on it, you may move them all from the Ozolith onto a target creature. And when a creature leaves the battlefield, if it had counters on it, put them on the Ozilus. So if you're playing a deck based on these plus one plus one counters, you can put them. But it's not even just plus one plus one. It can be any type of counter. The Ozilith, solid add here. Is really, I mean, it only costs one mana, too. One, I mean, you just play this on, you can dump it on turn one, you can hold it. It's someone, this is not a card that I look at to remove. No. It just works so well that eventually late game play against plus one plus one counters. You're mm -hmm. like, well, I wish I got rid of that Ozilus seven turns ago when I did have the <laughs> artifact removal that I used on something that seemed way worse. Yeah, yeah destroy target permanent CMC two or less or something like that. Yeah, or, or you know, beast with him, whatever it is. And I was like, oh, this is horrible. I need to get rid of whatever this thing is. Oh, and yeah. you realized, you know what? That probably would have caused me a lot less pain mm -hmm. in the long run than this Ozolith is doing here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's, again, one of the more expensive cards. Everything building around that, super cheap, that you're going to be able to put in the deck. So you're going to be able to afford those big expensive staples. So very fun. Plus one, plus one counters. Always going to be a good strategy. It is. Uh, looking at a couple of the top creatures here, we've got Colonian Hydra, Champion of Lamhole, Deep Glow Skate. Um, Love me some. Deep we're still skate. in. We're still solidly in Simic colors, but you've got uh, Micaeus, the Lunark. I, I like that uh, Shalai and Embros, the the Dean, the Black White Dean, mm -hmm. is listed here because you can put a plus one plus one counter on each creature that entered the battlefield under your control this turn. Um, and top commanders in general for this, you've got Hamza, Atraxa, Felisa, Vorinclex, Skullbriar, Gargos. A lot of these, I were, I was, I was not expecting. Um, to see listed on the top for plus one plus one counters. Like I didn't expect Felisa Fang of Silverquill mm, to be mm -hmm. a plus one plus one counter commander. Of course, Hamza and Atraxa, um, Vorinclex, Skullbuyer. So th those, those I did. Um, 
I like I like seeing Drizzit on here as a plus one plus one counters. Um, I know obviously it, it, it can just put plus one plus one counters on itself, but I know there's a lot of also synergies from AFR about plus one plus one counters. So I'm sure those were all built into there too. Um, we talked about how it being token strategy, being a good synergy, and Gav Guru of Spores. Um, not only got a couple infinite combos with uh, Innistrad Midnight Hunt lately, but um, also, you know, cares about tokens and plus one plus one counters. And, and we are spanning throughout all of the colors. Even um, we have Teamer, Animar, Soul Soul of Elements, uh, gets plus one plus one counters and makes your your uh, creatures cheaper for each plus one plus one counter it has on it. So, um, yeah, definitely spreading out. And I like everything. seeing the, the Saltai, Ukima, and Kazur, although most of the times that I see this, it's not based on plus one plus one counters, mm -hmm. but I like that it could be just based on that theme. In most cases, I'm seeing a couple of infinite combos here, but uh, this is a fun strategy. I run Cather's Crusade in my Sigarda, um, Heron's Grace deck. Do you run uh, Cather's Crusade in any of the decks you run? I do run Cather's Crusade in my Abzan Tokens deck. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it so, makes sense. Yeah, it's definitely my tokens deck is, is a sub theme of plus one, plus one counter for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that is the fifth most affordable theme here. So we can move on to the fourth most affordable theme as we're moving up to the most affordable theme. And this one is a toughness matters. I did theme. not expect this to be in the top 21 themes of, of all themes mm, though, either. Yeah. Me neither. Some of these surprised us. Yeah. Uh, I think, well, I think all of them did. Honestly, the, even, even the most affordable one surprised me until I looked at the breakdown of decks, but we'll get to that. So <laughs> toughness matters. We have an average deck price of $257 and 30 cents. Um, at the top end, we see a Nethroid deck. That's actually, um, the, the most expensive. And I don't think this one, although it says it cares about, uh, toughness this is, this is a $567, 32, um, cent average deck price of a Nethroi toughness matters deck. I think it's more because Nethroi only cares about the power of the creatures that are in the graveyard. Mm -hmm. So it's just trying to, you know, you can have zero power creatures and bring back as many of those as you want with Nethroi and you don't really care about the toughness. So maybe that's why it's being considered a toughness matters deck um, in accordance with EDA Trek. Um, and then the most affordable ones here are your Thantis, the Warweaver and Arcades. Um, so Arcades is turning your walls into things that can attack. So obviously that's going to be a toughness matters. Uh, Thantis, the Warweaver, uh, this deck is probably just putting up a bunch of walls and making everyone attack each other. Yeah. So, and Thantis has a pretty big butt itself. So it's pretty nice. I think it's like a seven toughness creature or something like that. Yeah. Some of the, the top commanders here, it's a five, five actually. Oh, Thantis. okay. Okay. Um, you've got Arcades, a strategist, uh, Phoenix, God of Deception, Doran, the Siege Tower, Cherix, the Raging Isle, Pramacon, and then Ikrishidiki, Siddhar Kondo. Um, that does not the entire list here, but um, I did not expect Nethroi to be on here. So no. th I think there's an outlier there mm -hmm. in um, in that there's only 25 listed, um, but there's 3,201 Arcades decks listed here for for the specific toughness theme. Yeah, I imagine this net these Nethroi decks are built around. So it's like the total power of every creature in the deck is like 10 or something so that you could just bring everything back at the same time. And that's why it's a considered a toughness matters but um it's fun to see uh some of these some of these cards that you know walls and stuff aren't particularly ex uh expensive one of the best walls in an arcades deck here is wall of denial a three mana zero eight with defender and flying and shroud which arcades makes basically into an eight eight so yeah. an eight eight for three with flying and shroud so thinking about toughness matters i was mostly thinking 
high toughness, but I also like that listed under top cards on this theme. Uh, you go from a very high matters uh, to a very low. So you've got Tetsuko Umazawa that mm. wants creatures with power or toughness, one or less. Yeah. Um, and then you move on to Tree of Perdition, which has a very high toughness of 13 to exchange target opponent's life total with Tree of Perdition's toughness. Um, but you've got cards here in in lots of colors as well. Actually, we're in we're in the entire gamut here with um, I think we're seeing far less red than anything else here, at least in the toughness matters. We're seeing Bant, we're seeing um, Abzan and we're seeing some Demir. But Pramacon adds a little bit of red here. Thantis adds a little red. And I think Kanaeus and Tiro on here might be an outlier being only 17 decks um, for the specific theme. Yeah, there, I mean, Morophon's on here too, but Morophon could literally be anything. So um, not sure we're, and it might not even run red cards in your Morophon deck because you technically don't have to. You could run all colorless in your Morophon deck if you wanted to. Um, so like the only the only red card that I saw even in the top cards is Aether Membrane, a three mana zero five defender that can block as though it had flying. And when it blocks a creature, return that creature to its owner's hand at end of combat. So it's actually kind of doing a bounce thing in red, um, which is strange, but it's from planar chaos or one of the one of those planar shifted uh, uh, sets. So that kind of makes sense that it's red doing a non red thing there. Yeah, taking a look. I mean, one of the I guess the more expensive cards, if you're running a toughness matters deck um, versus at least power here, which I think is being skewed from cards like Arcades um, is cards like Meekstone, no creature with power greater than two may untap during its controllers untap phase that cards around eight dollars. Um, but as far as enchantments go, we're looking at things like Brave the Sands to give your creatures vigilance and they can block an extra creature or Angelic Chorus. Whenever a creature comes into play under your control, you gain life equal to its toughness. So we've got a, a life gain strategy here. Um, Planeswalkers, uh, there, I mean, there is one that really matters here too. Huatli the Sun's Heart, which says each creature you control assigns damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. And then you can gain life equal to a creature's toughness. Um, yeah, lots of lots of different um, colors yeah. for the specific strategy. Well, and I, and I like how you were mentioning the sub themes here of like the life gain strategies and stuff. Because like I run Ikrishadiki in a deck, and, and the amount of life gain you get from that, um, and and you gain life equal to the toughness and all that. If you kind of look into the sorcery section of the EDA Trek um, page, you start seeing a lot of mill cards that are going to be built into uh, Phoenix. Um, so, you know, Phoenix cares about, uh, the toughness of creatures as they tap to mill people out. So it, it looks like beside, like you said, the Arcades and, uh, Doran, the siege tower, that kind of stuff where it's literally just turning big butts into things that can swing. You have these alternate strategies that they're trying to win with these large toughness, maybe putting up, um, giant walls, like literally Pramacon being your, your commander is a giant wall. Um, you're not going to be swinging with a Pramacon deck. Typically, you're going to be winning by by comboing out or something like that. So yeah, and there's there's even some redundancy here in these decks with cards like High Alert and Assault Formation to make it so that your creatures assign their combat damage uh, based on their toughness rather than their power. And then just lots of cards that have high toughness like Wall of Blossoms, Overgrown Battlement. I like that Consuming Aberration makes it in here, even though its toughness is star, because we're assuming you're going to have a lot of stuff in graveyards, because it's be not big. even just your graveyard. It can be one huge chunk. If Malignus wasn't red, it would probably be in here too then, in that case. But uh, but it's red, so it's not as popular in the Toughness Matters theme. Yeah, it is not. The next theme that we have here is is Bounce. 
the bounce theme, um, returning cards from the battlefield to your hand. Um, yeah, so this one only had nine top commanders, not the normal uh, 20, what is it, 24 top commanders. So it only had nine, um, but it still had an average deck price of $221.99. Uh, lanes at the top end, um, you know, new hotness. Uh, and it's three colors. You're going to see a lot of these. A lot of these bounce decks are actually uh, two colors and less. So you have a three color, relatively new. I, I guess Throne of Eldraine really isn't relatively new anymore. It feels weird saying it's not relatively new, but it's only o just over two years old at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so the uh, the the most affordable uh, is actually kind of kind of tied between an Aisi and an Etrata deck. So. Uh, ones that I wouldn't uh, particularly associate with bounce, I guess Etrata makes sense because if you don't want Etrata to go back to your command zone, you can bounce it back to your hand so that it's easier to cast. Um, that one, if you get enough bounty counters, it's got that alternate win condition. Um, so, uh, and, and with Icy, I'm not really sure where the bounce theme comes in um, unless it's specifically talking about bounce lands. So uh, again, there's a little bit of... Um, uh, we, ha we have to take into account what EDH rec is giving us uh, in terms of the data um, and how they are interpreting what the theme is for it. So I think the Adrata, the Silencer, and Shulane are much better uh, bounce theme candidates than the IEC one um, in terms of what we want to talk about and the permanence that we want to talk about. Yeah, looking at the top commanders here, we've got Shulane, Patron of the Moon, uh, Baron, Talarian, Archmage, Kosama, God of the Voyage, uh, AC, Tyrant of Gyre Strait, Naban, Dean of Iteration. Um, all of them have blue. Oh, yeah. And uh, a few of them have green. Tulane also has white. Yeah. And then uh, again, Morphon the Boundless is always going to be showing up here. And actually, that was my uh, my Blink and Flicker deck was a Morphon the Boundless deck. So. Uh, maybe one of my decks is actually in this here, too. So um, looking at some of the high synergy cards, uh, White Mane Lion is used in a ton of like ETB Matters decks. Uh, it's a 2-2 with Flash, and when it enters, it returns a creature you control, so you can constantly return itself uh, back to your hand. So if you have infinite white mana or something, you can do infinite enter the battlefield effects. Uh, on top of just like good ETB creatures like Coiling Oracle, stuff that you're just going to be putting back in your hand and, and putting out. So I think you're going to see a lot of crossover here between bounce and blink strategies. Um, and I think the bounce strategy is going to end up being the cheaper of the two between bounce and blink strategies because, um, you know, it takes a little bit more. You have to recast stuff. It's not just going to enter for free. Yeah. Taking a look, some of the, some of the commanders made it here because you're returning things to your hand specifically. I'm talking like patron of the moon, the moon folk specific mechanic is to return lands from the battlefield to your hand, which I will say is not a particularly powerful strategy because you can put yourself like way behind. Um, although I have done it because Maloku, the clouded mirror is a, a card that also wants you to return a land to your hand um, to, to, I guess, take benefit of of lands that enter the battlefield. Mm -hmm. um, some other high synergy cards here, Beast Whisper. So if you're bouncing something back to your hand, you play it, you can draw a card. Tatiova, whenever you bounce a land, you can, and if you can play a land, I guess you're gonna play it, draw a card. 
and gain a life here as well. Um, I do like seeing time wipe listed in the bounce because it's a board wipe that bounces one single creature. So I run this in my Neombia Steam Speaker deck, mm -hmm. which also made this list because most people don't realize that while Neombi, the way that I play it is to discard a legendary permanent um, and draw two cards, Neombi enters and you may return another target creature you control to its owner's hand if you do gain life equal to that creature's um, mana value. I've only done that like twice okay. in response because I really need Neombi out and I don't don't want to flash neon to have to pay two more right for it right. but i've i've saved the uh azor i've saved azor oh, before yeah. because i i azor is a very 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 useful creature mm -hmm. um i've i haven't saved a lot but that one i needed to be able to keep playing so that people couldn't play their instants or sorceries so i do do you run any bounce decks um like, like I, I run, I don't even know if I would consider my Jeskai deck a bounce deck. It's an enter the battlefield deck. It's really. It's more flicker, right? If, if you have anything happening, do you run many? I mean, Livio itself is the big yeah. flicker. I, I run all of the bounce spells yeah. pretty, pretty much. They can like the four or five ones, like the ghostly flickers and stuff that you want to run that can, that can bounce more than one permanent or don't care what kind of permanent it is that they don't care if it's a creature or something. Those are the ones I like to run in that one. But, um, I, it would probably, it probably wouldn't be considered a bounce deck. It'd probably be more considered a flicker or a blink deck. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think I now. Can we talk about everyone's favorite bounce spell of all time, though? We love it. The the two mana bounce spell. Wait, yeah. which bounce spell are you? Yeah, talking it's two about? mana. It's not seven mana. It's only two mana. It's technically two, but can be seven. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I Coil really loves it when I bounce all of his permanents to his hand with great. Cyclonic Rest. Great, especially when they're tokens. Especially, especially, when, they're tokens. especially when they're tokens. Coil really he didn't need them. Don't he was like, them. get out of here. Who needs tokens? I didn't want you anymore, you beast. He's probably sacrificing him all the ash. I probably got rid of something with a beast within, and then got rid of your <laughs> yeah. beast. I was like, you know what? You don't even deserve that beast. I don't. I don't. I Whatever really Whatever it was, you deserved. You deserved. I deserve less. No. So Cyclonic Rift is listed on here. Um, I like seeing God of Charlo Ketra, and that one is every time that I see that deck, it's a bunch of bouncing effects, and it is so cool. Yeah. Every single time. I, I enjoy seeing Mystic Snake and um uh what's the other the other mystic coiling or not coiling oracle. There's the new mystic from the frilled the mystic. Yeah, frilled mystic from the Ravnica set. Um, the, count, the counter a spell when it enters. Yeah, yeah, I like those ones. There's Void Slime too that counters a spell when it enters. Or no, Void Slime is just a counter spell it's that a counter you get spell. a slime from. Reflector, that one's different. Reflector Mage is a cool one here. Oh, that's that was a nice it was, spell. It was solid in standard. And when I say solid, it was disliked heavily in yeah. standard when it was played. I did play that deck. When it enters, you can return target creature and opponent controls to its owner's hand. They cannot cast spells with the same name as that creature until your next turn. So you can bounce their commander. And so you got to take a turn off from casting your commander. Yeah. You can cast other spells. That's yeah. Fine. It's fine. Just sometimes, cast your other spells. Sometimes the commander's the problem. It's always the problem. But there's, yeah, there's just a lot of cool stuff in here. Team or saber tooth. That's my favorite one. It's, uh, it's so good because it, it gives itself indestructible too. on top of it's it. really combo centric. Mm -hmm. it, it, it does give itself indestructible. It's a four, three on top of that. Mm -hmm. um, funny enough, that's one of the more expensive cards. It's it's only three fifty being the affordable decks, but that card's three. It's an uncommon. Yeah, that's had multiple printings. Now, there is another expensive card. Um, for, it's like upwards of ten dollars oh. an enchantment called Guardian Project that allows you to draw cards. But if you're a patron at a certain tier level of the Guardian Project podcast, you probably already received a Guardian Project token to put in your deck. So you don't have to spend over $10 for your copy of Guardian Project. 
You don't. I just wanted to plug that. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> What's our next theme? So the next theme that we have on here, the second most affordable theme, everyone's favorite theme to play against that no one's ever complained about ever, Mill. Oh Mill's, my God, I love it. It's Mill's my favorite. Great. I love, I honestly love Mill and I wish it didn't get the hate that it gets. It, it really does get a lot. It gets a lot. And it's one of the hardest ways to win in Commander, honestly, to mill your opponents out. I mean, there's combos and stuff that do it, but um, the average Mill deck theme uh, costs about $214.75. At the top end, you have, I think the most obvious is Bruvac, the Grand Eloquent, who's going to be playing as many copies of Persistent Petitioners as possible in most cases. You have Lazav the Multifarious, which is actually more of a combo deck and a self-mill deck than anything else. And the Scarab God, which is blue-black good stuff, whether you're milling yourself or your opponents, that's probably what's happening. And those are going to be some of your three more expensive ones. And at the bottom end, we have Nethroy and one of the most talked about creatures on this podcast ever, Hogak. The Risen Necropolis being very, very cheap versions of mill decks. Um, obviously, Nethroy and Hogak themselves don't mill cards. So uh, it's just a lot of the cards that are in them. Nethroy, obviously, you want to self-mill yourself to, to get everything back. And Hogak, you want to self-mill yourself to be able to cast your commander. Um, so when it comes to this mill strategy, we're looking at both self-mill and opponent mill. I like that a lot of the cards we're seeing now, now that mill has been specifically keyworded mm -hmm. and they have they have built cards specifically to take advantage of mill strategies. Um, in the top commanders here, we're seeing quite a few new commanders appear, right? So Bruvac the Grand Eloquent is is a very powerful card. Oh yeah. Uh Arami of the Dead Tide, uh Anuan the Rune Sage. Even Sir Conrad the Grim, Xanathar, um, Guild Kingpin. We're, we're, there's a lot of, of new stuff within the last two years oh, yeah. that have made this list. And I I don't, I personally don't dislike playing against Mill. I get to show everybody on stream or that I'm playing against my deck because you've milled each individual card that I read. That's that's what I try <laughs> to tell people. Let me read my people. deck list to you real quick. Hold on. I, I run this. Oh, cool card. Everybody, everybody likes to look at the shinies as mm -hmm. they hit my graveyard. Absolutely. See, that's why when I'm playing my Ozgear deck and I have four copies of Mesmeric Orb out, I don't know why everyone's so mad. You get to see everyone's You decks. mailed me with your Ozgear deck yeah. and I was close to winning. I yeah. needed one more turn because I was running a um the... Uh, the black she she's sipping on tea in the artwork um, and she's from Strixhaven. Yep. Dusk and Dusk will not Dusk Willow. No, not Willow Dusk. It's no, it's a oh my it's a card, goodness. but it's not from this theme. Dina Soul Steeper. Dina Soul Steeper. She steeps the tea. She steeped the tea with souls. And the tea you gave me was oh, you have no more library. No, you have that none. was real tea, real shade. That was it was good. That was awesome. It, I love that. Deck. It was very good. So looking at some high synergy cards here, we've got cards like Nyx Weaver, Seder Wayfinder, Underrealm Lich, World Shaper. But looking at some of the top cards, there, there are a lot of cards that are just mill, right? So we've got Court of Cunning, which is the new Monarch mechanic, or not new Monarch, but uh, one of the new cards that introduces Monarch from Commander Legends. Psychic Corrosion from M19, whenever you draw a card, each opponent um, puts the top two cards of their library into their graveyard. Traumatize, Memory Erosion, Rune Crab, Mind Grind, all the cards. Yeah, Rune Crab, particularly good in Commander um, because it's each opponent mills three cards where Hedron Crab uh, from the Zen the other Zendikar set, the original Zendikar set, is actually only target opponent mills three cards. Um, we saw Maddening Cacophony get printed in um, the recent Zendikar set, which can mill half of someone's deck. You could even 
uh, run the enchantment from Hour of Devastation, uh, where at the end of target player's turn, they mill cards equal to the number of cards they milled earlier in the turn um, to just instantly kill someone. So, you know, there's a lot of mill strategy. Like you said, some of the newer commanders really cared about mill. So we're starting to see the sets really care about mill a little bit too. Fraying Sanity is that enchantment from uh, Hour of Devastation. I also really like that this is the theme that most, most benefits from... Uh, or I guess not even benefits can most use the card. Didn't say please and not feel bad when you counter someone's spell and mill. And it's like, you should have said please when you cast every spell that you cast this game. Oh yeah. You didn't say please. Now I do particularly like uh, Tasha's hideous laughter. I've been playing a lot of it in standard and it's been a lot of fun. Um, obviously it's going to, this card actually gets exponentially better based on the power level of decks that you're playing because it cares about uh, total mana value. You mill cards until you have total mana value of 20. So the more competitive you're playing and the more zero mana and one mana mana rocks everyone is playing in their decks, every, for every copy of Ad Nauseam that a commander uh, deck has, you should consider more and more to play Tasha's Hideous Laughter. I actually play this in my Kess CEDH deck because I thought it would be fun to try to get someone by being able to cast it twice with Kess's ability to cast a card from my graveyard and try to see if I can mill some out in a CDH deck. So um, I'm sure it has some good implications. It's nice that it exiles and not just mills um, someone so they can't gain access to it. Maybe they have a Kozilek at the top of their library or something and you want to exile it so that it doesn't uh, reshuffle the graveyard in. So. Now, a lot of the, the more expensive cards actually that make up these decks come from your artifacts with cards like Altar of Dementia, Mesmeric Orb, and Altar of the Brood. So Altar of Dementia is around $8. Mesmeric Orb is $8.50 now, and Altar of the Brood is a $6 card. Um, you're sacking creatures, having people mill. Mesmeric Orb is whenever a permanent becomes untapped, that player mills a card that includes you. And then Alter the Brew whenever another permanent enters the battlefield into your control, each opponent puts the top card of their library into their graveyard. And the one that I think I like the most that I've actually felt the pain from is Folio of Fancies, which is just an artifact that says players have no max hand size, but you can make each player draw X cards by paying XX and tapping it or paying two into blue and tapping it to make each opponent mill cards equal to the number of cards in their hand. Mm -hmm. I love these cards. Um, that one's affordable, but there's only a few cards um, that, that are pretty expensive. But I do I do think that those Mesmeric Orb, Altar of Dementias, Altar of the Broods are pretty solid for this strategy and, and pretty necessary. Yeah. And they keep coming out and printing new cards that keep comboing off with these cards that are one and two CMC artifacts that you can fit in any deck color theme possible. So don't expect these cards to get cheaper. Even though they're in the, the second most affordable deck theme here. Yeah. What is our most affordable All right. deck theme? All right. So did you have any guesses or anything before we just go right into it? I know you've probably already like, I mean, obviously you've read the agenda. <laughs> so so I have. I have read the agenda. Um, I, I, I was thinking I it wasn't this because I thought this would be a lot more expensive. Um, I didn't have, I don't think I had a guess for which was the most affordable. I, I had more guesses for which I thought were the most expensive. Okay. That used a lot of staples. Um, did you think you knew what was going to be the most uh, affordable before you put together the list? Um, I didn't, I didn't think that this particular theme was going to be the most affordable. I, I think I thought just like 
probably tokens or plus one plus one counters would have been the most affordable just because it's so well supported and they've been printing those things for forever. Maybe there was a creature type theme that would have been more affordable, but that wasn't considered in this. Um, so no, I definitely didn't guess the number one most affordable theme according to EDA track, and that is auras. So we have the auras theme with the average deck price of $207.81. Uh, Corona, the false god, and Rafik of the many uh, average deck prices are actually at the top end for auras. Uh, and that kind of makes sense because you have a five color and a three color commander. So, again, your land base is going to be a little bit more expensive. Um, and then the cheapest average deck price, the average deck price of a Utropia auras deck is $87.39. <laughs> Utropia, the twice favored witch. If you do watch any of our gameplay streams on YouTube, there is a game with a Utropia, the twice favored. And I think somewhere in it was a, like a $25 budget. deck. It was something. a budget deck there. Yeah, it's like so. So when you're talking about like budget decks uh, building under a really strict budget, a lot of times you're going to depend on commander damage and auras and that kind of stuff uh, equipment. So maybe that's where all of this budget comes from when it comes from specifically uh, Utropia. Um but, you know, even some of the staples, brand new staples are still the really good ones for aura decks are still really cheap. Sithis, Harvest Hand for Modern Horizons 2 and Sanctum Weaver for Modern Horizons 2. Um, you can get both of them for $2 or less per card. Uh, so even the brand new cards are super, super affordable. All of the Theros cards that cared about enchantments, your Eidolon of Blossoms, your Satessan Champion, uh, Enchantress Presence, Seder Enchanter. Um, these cards are all like under two bucks every single one of them and these are your huge card draw engines in your deck um the stuff that's going to kill people all that glitters was an amazing enchantment it is uncommon printed at throne of eldraine to get plus one plus one for each artifact and or enchantment you control is going to make utropia absolutely huge on top of any of your aura decks i guess we should kind of take a step back and look at the, the the top commanders here yeah so our top commanders we've got um so, some new stuff here uh last couple of years again we've got the galena kindler of hope which came from our newest com well actually not our newest commander decks anymore this not came anymore. out from this was command the afr commander decks yes. uh we have killian ink duelist uh which came out in strixhaven sionia captain of the pileus which came out in um theros beyond death Tuvas of the sunlit solid solid deck that i have lost to um, we have played with um, Max from CMDR mm -hmm. Central mm -hmm. against his two Vasa the Sunlit deck. Ural the Miststalker is one that I don't see played very much anymore. Um, it's a it's a Naya Auras deck. <laughs> Ural gets plus two plus two for each aura attached to it. Um, Bruna Light of Alabaster is a really cool. So that's the original Bruna. When it attacks, you may attach to it any number of auras on the battlefield, and you may put onto the battlefield attached to it any number of auras that could enchant it from your graveyard or your hand. That's a really cool card. That's a pretty big, pretty big card. It's a it's a pretty big card. And then you've got cards like Zur the Enchanter. Oh, love Azur. I, I was surprised that this, this doesn't have more aura decks on it, honestly, because when it attacks, you get to just freely search for one that's three CMC or less. Um, and, and actually, it comes in if it's an aura already attached to a creature, so it actually gets around the Shroud keyword and everything. So you can give Zur Shroud right away and then still attach a lot of your auras to it. Um, Rafika the Many is one that I, I thought about building this deck um, a long time ago. Uh, this has It's a 3-3 three, three in the Bant color, so green, white, blue, and one generic with Exalted. Whenever a creature you control attacks alone, it gains double strike. So 
you're pretty much just building it all around Rafik, building him up uh, so that you can give him double strike and kill your opponent in one shot, one double shot, but one shot. Sure. So a lot of these these decks are running um, some cards that are going to allow you to draw. So um, they they refer to these as Enchantress decks. You've got cards like Eidolon of Blossom, Seder Enchanter, Enchantress's Presence, um, Mesa Enchantress. All of these are saying whenever you cast a, an enchantment spell, you may draw a card. And a few of these have, well, actually, I think all of these at this point have been reprinted to the point where they are all, except for Eidolon of Blossom, sub $1. Um, they used to be a bit more. Yeah. Um, you even see when you go to some of the top cards that there are uh, tutor synergies that you can get for under a dollar. For four mana, you can get Sage's Reverie. When it enters the battlefield, you get to draw a bunch of cards. Um, but Heliod's Pilgrim for three mana, it's a common from Theros Beyond Death. The human cleric, when it enters the battlefield, you search your library for an aura card, reveal it, and put it into your hand and shelf your library. So for three mana, you can basically demonic tutor and aura into your hand you got to show everyone what it is but you can demonic tutor an aura into your hand and an aura deck that's all you're going to really care about um steel of the godhead is one that i I see in a lot of like zur the enchanter and rafika the many decks uh any ones where your enchanted creature is both blue and white so that it gets plus one or plus two plus two uh lifelink and unblockable um finest hour is a, a bant enchantment that i really like that also has exalted on it whenever a creature you control attacks alone if it's the first combat phase of the turn you untap that creature and after this phase additional combat phase so extra combat phases outside of the color red uh really important for for auras and actually the fact that it is outside of the color red is why it's cheaper because you're not typically doing multiple combats in bant yeah and looking at some cards that are are more expensive or used to be more expensive we've got astrid's invocation which is a 13 enchantment now so it is um <clears throat> for two and a blue you you have it enter the battlefield as any enchantment you control except it gains at the beginning of your upkeep you may blink it so you may exile this enchantment if you do return to the battlefield under its owner's control when it enters you can change it around so that's a cool one and then sterling grove was reprinted in modern horizons two that card dude used to be like a 12 dollar card as well for a green and a white it says other enchantments you control have shroud pay one sacrifice sterling grove search your library for an enchantment reveal it and then put it on top so that's a tutor there and gives protection to your other enchantments for sure um speaking of which of cards that have gotten lower in price utopia sprawl was a card that was like over ten dollars being pushed uh, it was a modern card that only got printed once um, but that got reprinted in one of the latest um commander decks uh, i think from the afr set in the equipment and auras deck we got utopia sprawl reprinted so now you can pick that up for under seven dollars um, it's it's one of the best land auras that there is. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you choose a color. Um, you have to enchant a forest, and when it's tapped for mana, it adds an additional mana of the chosen color. And we've got a new a, a new land that was printed the, um, a few years ago now. Uh, Hall of Heliod's Generosity even cares about enchantments. So for one and a white tap, put target enchantment card from your graveyard on top of your library. Um, that that that, and then the the number one planeswalker for enchantments. I mean, it's Esther the Mast. She's I mean, gonna make some masks. It's gotta she's be. Gonna, she's gonna she's gonna put some some masks on them, and then Calix Destiny's hand uh, for plus one. You can leave the top four cards of your library and reveal an enchantment and put that card into your hand. The rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Yeah, fantastic. Now, I do have to take this opportunity since we're talking about auras and we're talking about it being the most affordable. Uh, deck theme to talk about a combo that I like okay. in auras, and that is the combo with Arden, Intrepid Archaeologist, 
and an enchantment from Ikoria called Colossification. So you can pick up a copy of Arden for 44 cents and a copy of Colossification for 35 cents. So for under $1 with Arden on the battlefield, you can cast Colossification to enchant one of your opponent's creatures. Colossification is a seven mana aura that says enchant creature. When Colossification enters the battlefield, tap the enchanted creature, and the enchanted creature gets plus 20, plus 20. You might ask, why are we enchanting our opponent's creature? It's to tap it. And then when we move to combat, we're going to move that classification onto our Arden and swing for 22 commander damage. And that is under a $1 combo where you can kill someone as long as they only have one blocker. You can see proof of that happening yeah. on our YouTube channel. At some point, Coil played that deck. Oh, so much and fun. put the enchantment on my one untapped creature. And I was like, <laughs> cool. And I was in the middle of drawing a token. Oh, I think we told this story on one yeah. of our... and. Uh, and then he killed me and before the token was drawn. I you you like stepped away to walk <laughs> I, away, and I was I, like, "Oh wait, no!" <laughs> I wanted to grab a different color marker to like make it a really good token. I came back, and Coil goes, "You don't need to draw it. I'm just gonna take you out with that that little combo." Yeah. It was really good. It was it's cool. I, it, there needs to be a name for it. I think if you can think of a name for Arden plus Colossification combo. Send it to us. Send it to us. All right. So that was the five most affordable deck themes. Now, taking a look at these five, again, we've got plus one, plus one counters, toughness matters, bounce, mill, and aura. Between the two of us, we had a plus one, plus one counters deck at one point. Mm -hmm. I've had a powers matter. I've never had a toughness matters, but you've got an Ikra Shadiki deck. Yeah, it's a clones deck technically, but I mean, when I have eight copies of Ikra Shadiki, it looks like a toughness matters deck. Uh, but we know that people in our playgroup have had Doran the Siege Tower decks um, at our local game stores. We've seen arcades all over the I've place. been milled by Phoenix before. Oh, yeah. 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 Bounce. I think I just played generic bounce spells. I don't think I have a dedicated bounce deck, and I've never had one. No. Blink and Flicker more than bounce than yeah. anything else. Just because it's 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 more value immediately. I think that's why I would do it. Yeah. Uh, mill. We don't have a mill, although I have the Bruvac and the cards I wanted for it. I just don't want to order 22 persistent <laughs> petitioners because I have like five already. Right. <laughs> I said, I'm not, um, my, I'm not going to order these. My Osgear deck does try to focus on getting Mesmeric Orb and trying to get as many copies of Mirrors, Mesmeric Orb to either mill my opponents out or mill myself in order to, to get good cards um, in my graveyard for me to use Osgear's ability with. Um, but my Tetsuko Umazawa deck actually has an alternate win condition of mill using all of those enchantments that say you get to mill your opponents whenever you draw cards and really focuses on drawing cards more than anything. Yeah. Um, well, I think that is it for this week. Yeah. Um, we want to thank you so much for listening. If you want to contact me directly, I'm on Twitter at AT4. And I'm on Twitter at Wormcoil Engine. And of course, we want to give a special thanks to Ryan Nichols, our producer and editor. We love you. Thank you. And Chris Wolf, who handles all of our graphic design. We love you too. Thanks. And to all of you listening, we also love you. We also love you. And we're going to talk to you next week. Love you. Oh, we're so excited. Goodbye. Bye.